welcome to another episode of the Musicians Insider. And today we're going to be talking to a wonderful person named Camille Stone from Toronto, who's going to tell us, you know, a little bit more about how she's involved with the arts community and the types of projects that she's working on and how she's giving back to the community and some advice for those of you who want to be involved in the community. Hi, Camille. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is, I'm excited. I, I love your energy, your, your smile, and, and you always bring a really great art component to whatever we're doing stylistically. So <laughs> tell you. me about what's going on. <laughs> oh, what's going on? Um, as we speak, I'm inside or I'm weathering out a thunderstorm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess um, things really shifted up for me with COVID and um, I kind of saw the silver lining in, in things and um, decided to take that time to really just like dive in and start studying um, my future opportunities basically and um, formulating some tests and some research, some sort of online social research, which um, I ran like about 12 different experiments on face Facebook and Instagram where I wanted to create like engagement um, with people in a really fun, playful way that would help lift people's spirits. And I realized I wanted to like be a bit of a beacon of hope and like help people stay inspired and stay connected. Um, so as I've also been weathering out like the COVID lockdowns coming from more of like an artist gig um, economy, uh, I also worked as an e-commerce manager and am now working on launching myself into being um, a consultant for e-commerce business um but right now like i can really empathize with the artists and the freelancers and the musicians that completely lost their footholding and being able to do their thing and stay afloat um so it's been a really challenging time and also with people feeling kind of really um, repelled by other humans out of fear, people have social anxiety, like coming back together. So I'm really focused on creating small gatherings and small get togethers right now that promote mingling and also um, like physical activities, like fun um, circus style acts and, and different play that people can come out and experiment with. Well, that's really interesting. And like, I guess right now people are having a hard time just realizing what is it like to get back to normal? And maybe there are people that are still, you know, have reasons they can't, but um, that's awesome. I know it's been a hard year for me just like coming back to Canada and not doing much. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully going to a festival soon. And I think I'm allowed to cross the border in the next month. I really hope so. Um, There's so definitely just, things happening on the planet. That's for sure. It started. Do you want to maybe tell us and my, my audience a little bit about your background and what kind of um, education or what kind of uh, jobs you've been working or the fields you've been in or some of the things you've done in the past so we get an idea of what Camille is all about? <laughs> I'm definitely a mixed bag. <laughs> um, I've been dabbling in a lot of different industries in my working life. Um, I dove very deeply into retail, 
um, and kind of classic business management. Um, I dove into jewelry design. I dove into styling for more like commercial things like food and tabletop. And these are the types of things that I would do as kind of artist gigs, right? And I would self-develop by seeking out people who were doing their thing expertly and uh, do internships and uh, work for people to learn all different skills like social media and accounting and marketing and assembly like even assembling the jewelry back in before when I was doing that in my early 20s but um, yeah I've dabbled in tech I've dabbled in uh worked as an e-commerce manager I've dabbled in being a freelance social media manager yeah and now I am really excited at this notion of creating a touch point for individuals that want to enter um, being enter the e-commerce realm um, in the most efficient way to be a digital entrepreneur or digital nomad um, all the way through to businesses that need their website and um, their marketing to be more efficient and actually like contribute more um, to the company's uh, bottom line. So coming up with these solutions by researching what tools are out there constantly um, being led from one new tool concept to the next. There's so much scope in tech and I'm really excited at this kind of bubble of abundance that can be created when um, the smaller people come together and support each other in creating micro digital marketplaces. And have you been remote prior to the pandemic or did it really help you or force you to become more of a remote worker? Is that something that you, how did you deal with that? It definitely catapulted me into being a remote worker. Um, thanks to COVID, uh, even though I was an e-commerce manager and I could technically do my job from home, there were elements where like overseeing the packing, um, the physical elements of shipping and logistics I used to oversee, but um, started working at home and the, um, the facility where they're doing the shipping, they just carried on with um, a smaller team. And then I started overseeing testing different apps to figure out which app would perform better for the functions we were trying to seek uh, working with Shopify. So I would test a lot of apps and kind of weigh the pros and cons of different types of tools. It's an interesting realm to be in because you never have all the answers. You might have enough answers to get started, but it's like constant problem solving and it's um I think you can attest to, you know to this just being in the field of e-commerce is just a matter of hearing out the problems and trying to find the solutions and it's a constant quest yes it's very hard to find even if you know your platform if it's been customized and there's no information about how it's customized and you're asked to come in and, and solve a problem, you suddenly have to, you know, reverse engineer someone else's work. So I've had to deal with that. And 
I fully, I fully feel that. So do you have on, on the advice topic? Wait, yeah. Speaking of reverse engineering, have you ever checked out builtwith.com? Yeah. That's what you use to see if it's on WordPress or if it's on Shopify yeah. or Spotify. I love that. Audio. Cool. I mean, it just tells you every single thing. It's yeah. That builtwith.com. I'll put a link there. It's a great resource. Um, very helpful when you have a new client and they just jump on a phone call with you and you don't know what they're using. You can just type it in a browser and get a quick look at what they've got in the back end. It helps if you uh, do it before the call, but it's good to have that research quick. <laughs> and there's lots of little tricks like that, that I think um, it's really important to know. Even things like um, just like, what is my IP.com? You know, if you're trying to do an IT problem and you need to know your IP address, you just go there or even what time is it.com? Things like that are out there. It's, it's pretty neat. Um, Looking at advice, advice a little bit, any advice for someone maybe who had never gone remote before the pandemic and may not have been as comfortable doing that, but is in your sort of field or what did you, how did you get over some of the, the issues with going remote? I'm always doing multiple things um, at once, managing multiple projects. Maybe how you solve a problem that you had to handle. Okay, so they need to create um, a side hustle or a chunk of time where you develop a concept. So if you want to enter a certain field, you need to study it. Uh, you can either pay to go learn it, or if you're, you can be self-instructed like myself, you can teach yourself anything. Basically everything online, all information is free pretty much, but where people want to spend and invest in the help is this kind of human intuitive response to their particular case and their particular problem and like figuring out how to create the right matrix for that. That's long. That's a long way down the road. Or maybe if you already have a business, looking at your operations matrix is something that you probably want to map out. But uh, if you're an individual, then I would say they just need to carve out time and um, focus to find the tools and the resources and test things out. I think one of the biggest important tools is simply using your Gmail calendar to schedule everything and get your Zoom calls in there. And people don't know how to do that so well. So you suddenly rely the on it. Freelance world operates on it and also like the entire professional arts gig economy runs on it. Like people are running on project management systems. People have to learn, freelancers have to learn multiple uh, communication tools and project management systems in order to participate in their different client contracts. So there's a lot in the world of tools and and overload for sure i find people are using trello and then you go to another company they're using Basecamp, and it's the same thing but it's not the same thing and or they're using rike w-r-i-k-e and they're all just different project management tools that are all integrated with your like other tools but as soon as you move somewhere else it's something different people fear change um, mm. it's interesting so I, I like your approach to art and uh how you're always so colorful and i think it's great that you always seem to have a color for the occasion or something visually going on with, with your existence and things that are happening. Um, what inspires you? Um, I'm inspired by other small creators and I love finding people 
on Instagram. Um, I found a lot of amazing designers on Instagram that I've bought pieces from them, like, you know, in the past. And I would get like a bonus from like my work. I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to buy from that Instagram designer I've been looking at for two years. <laughs> so I was always like, I think that's something I really loved about Instagram is finding these cool creative individuals that are making their business work for them and uh, yeah like this for example this is Frankie Collective and uh, a couple years ago my friend got me this really cool gig of like an experiential marketing pop-up um for Adidas Tango League. And um, they coordinated bringing in Frankie Collective out of BC, which is this really cool brand where they take dead stock athletic wear and they cut it up and re-sew it together. So they like upcycle it. And it was so dope. We made a customization station for that day where people could come and like decide if they wanted the crop or if they wanted the fire trim on the bottom or if they wanted a rhinestone um, patch on the back. And there's like all these options. You could do like half and half of one Jersey team and the other. It was so cool. It was such a neat experience. And yeah, any chance that I get to mingle with unique designers like I'm I really gets me stoked <laughs> so a question about the freelance gig economy when you're trying to find and determine people to work with like say someone randomly wants to hire you to help them with some sort of project for example right like I'm sure you, you know what I'm talking about but like when that happens how do you gauge that you know it's going to be pro and how do you protect or give some advice for people to protect themselves from not working with the wrong people like what are some suggestions for gauging if they want to do a project I think um, contracts are like when the agreement becomes official, but prior to that, like if you have to really convince someone that they need what you have to offer, then they're not the right person or it's not the right fit. Um, you have to hone your skills and know the value and know that, um, you can help provide those solutions, connect them to the team or the right people to provide those solutions. So I'd say like in the vetting process, like not having to psychologically convince a person why they are ready to do this for their business. Also too, especially if it's more one-on-one -on -one coaching where people want to uh, go bootstrap and they wanna learn how to run and operate the business themselves, then the person has to be really willing and ready because they need that attitude in order to succeed. And then even for the people who are more hands-off, it's easy to kind of outline a value proposition in illustrating that it could cost them X number of dollars to hire an employee to oversee this one little section where they might be looking for um, several different roles within one person at a very low wage, which means like you're not going to get a super great quality person who has to wear six hats. It's really rare to proposing projects that can like 
meet those price points that'll make businesses happy where they don't have to invest in one employee per se, but they can get the expertise of an entire panel of people who can help pitch into um, that project proposal. And so it's a win-win. The team ends up taking that job and it's kind of split between the team and then so partner up with people of like-minded business, but different skill sets so you can cover the whole gamut of things you're trying yeah, to offer. And I think there's a huge future in, and it already exists, but a huge future in the like e-commerce world for vendors and marketers to team up on creating micro digital marketplaces. And it's already starting. It's already happening. Yeah. Cause I think so a lot of people are vendor platforms that are moving away from this, the giants of Amazon and eBay and moving to more localized um, vendor platforms that are industry or location focused. So like less people on Odesk, less people on Fiverr, more people locally. That was the ideal. And that's where I see there being a really big opportunity for people who already have a community or a following and they make great content, they could create a catalog and index of all the products and people or services, services. And places that they believe in and build in those affiliate links and then get commission for marketing and representing that cluster of businesses. Very cool. Now, if someone is a new to freelance, new to joining these types of communities, how would they find this type of this type of group or how do they start, especially if they're not very social? Um, if you're a woman, I would say women in tech, you can start there and it's an index of women doing different roles all around the world. It's still small, but there's definitely enough of an index there to get started. Yeah, I do like to connect with women entrepreneurs in different Facebook groups, but I also create like my own Facebook groups that I invite people in for like different topics of interest. Like, as I was mentioning before, like my more um, social activity outings pages, and then um, pages that are more focused on workshops, boot camps, um, centered around e-commerce, marketing, live streaming, logistics. We break down all the topics. People join in on the topics they're interested in. It's just like a, a micro hub. Uh, so I think people need to scavenge out different Facebook groups to start, I would say, to find using hashtags searching in like e-commerce, freelancers, digital nomads, uh, like these types of cute keywords, just start reaching out to people in these digital communities. So on that note, with the pandemic slowly, slowly coming to a, a, a slowdown, hopefully sooner than later, in those searches for the hashtags, I think in this case, you could include the city and try to find the ones that are a little bit more hyper-local than just, you know, the entire group on the world. And there's also um, Clubhouse app that people have been using. I'm not sure if you tried it yet. It's very interesting. I haven't really 
spend a lot of time on it, but I have a lot of friends that have been in the Glovehouse apps for hours, having discussions with really random people that seem to be curating these groups. But since they've been doing it for several months now, it's quite uh, an eclectic group of really expert folk on these topics. For example, if you want to look about NFTs, there's an NFTs group, you know, and nfts.tips, you know, and things like that. And that's like, I don't know much about those, but I have to because I'm about to release some digital stuff and I need to learn more. And that's a great resource. So I recommend Clubhouse groups, but um, I'm thinking about the Facebook idea you mentioned and how it would be good to attach a city to that if you're starting to come out of your shell and go to physical meetings again, just to meet up with people. And I def well, I definitely think freelance connectivity the sky's the limit like why not work with people all around the planet you know there's a little bit of a legality around borders international stuff yeah the transactional flow and the contracts but it could be done i definitely think uh we're going to see individuals and businesses and services behaving like a mycelium network within the digital e-com world where people will be mutually promoting and cross-selling um, on each other's platforms. And we'll see that increasingly more. And these listings will mostly be managed by the vendors themselves on all these individual um, digital marketplaces that are co-branding. That's what I see. That's what, what you, I think is the next frontier of like e-commerce, like shopping is these bespoke, smaller digital marketplaces. And there's a lot of automation coming too. like your fridge can order stuff for you without you knowing anymore. So it's, it's interesting what? how we can, we can use technology okay. to, to do things like that. Um, cool. And now with, you know, now that Bezos went to space today, there's a whole new world. Yeah. I think it's pretty interesting to think about the fact that one of the things I was listening to is how if there's a, a group of people in a dorm room and they're coming up with an idea of, I want to create a meteor that has a thousand people living on it, not a meteor, uh, um, an asteroid. You, you find an asteroid in space that you know it's, you know it's orbit and you, you get on it, you land on it with a spaceship. You hollow it out some way and create gravity by spinning it. And certain, you know, 500,000 people, maybe 10,000 people can live on one of these things. But if you have that idea and you figure all the logistics out of it, you can't do any of this work until the um, reusable rocket infrastructure is in place. And that's what's taking place right now. There's a lot of people are saying, how come they're spending money on going to space when they're billionaires, but then they're not fixing a hunger issue. And it's like, but this might save the earth if we blow up our planet or have a meteor hit us. So it's interesting that that structure needs to be infrastructure needs to be built so that then the new generation of ideologists that want to build space commerce and like i want to build a thing on the moon called the moon tower where we go and skateboard in one six gravity but it's a, <laughs> but there's a dome so you don't have to wear any pads that, that keep you from like oxygen equipment love it but like but for that to happen like you can't just like when the wright brothers made their plane they didn't have the Virgin Airlines and, and Spirit Airlines competing and, and, and so, you know, they didn't have airlines yet, but they're coming. So these are like the Wright brothers of space today, um, Bezos and Elon Musk with their two flights. So then hopefully we get space lines and they'll be just like taking a trip to here only it's to Mars. It's to, you know, 
So that'll be interesting. Everything you just said is making me think of like the midnight gospel. We're going on some psychedelic space travel right now in cartoon. Love it. Well, keep that in <laughs> mind for maybe a next art project. <laughs> cool. I love how art is also being like at Burning Man, they had this thing called the El Pupo Co. I can't remember how you say it, but it's the, it's the flaming uh, monster and they've retired it because you know, Burning Man's been gone for two years now. So like art, big art projects are still staying alive and getting new permanent homes in Vegas and other places. But I know that Toronto's had a bit of an art scene the last couple of years, thanks to that crowd. It's really been booming. And so it's interesting it's to watch the evolution. I thought of something that fell from the sky and that, like, as you were saying this, and that is that art is the extremity of our imagination. Art is the extremity of our imagination, but it can be extreme art. <laughs> I like big art. It's always good to see big art put on by people who have big, big, big dreams. Like if ever I see someone trying to do something really big, like do something like bring a 747 to Burning Man or something, like I applaud yeah. it. I want to see what happens, even if it gets left there as a move. But um, wow. I'm just getting in my mind in the festival season because we need to have that again. Um, I went I went to a bar for the first time and saw a music a musician perform locally. And it was kind of nice just to have people playing live music and people sitting around. It was very bizarre though, how as soon as everyone sits down, no one's wearing masks and it's like suddenly it's, it doesn't matter anymore because it's a certain day. It's like so weird just to try to re-enable our lives to that reality. Um, I don't know, it's coming back. So I know one big thing we have in common is our art car friends. We have some friends who have made giant fire-breathing fire metal dragons and taken them to castles, and now they're making <laughs> fire-breathing phoenixes and rebuilding. And it seems like Rick and Morty keeps calling them out on their art before they finish it. <laughs> I had so many fun gigs with them. I with Heavy Meta Art Car. I had my pop-up shop top collective there where I sold my accessories and fashion and had my friend come spray paint on fans and we had like stencils and um it was such a good time and also go-go dancing. I would do go-go dancing with them with uh, some of my girlfriends, Alana Kendry, and um, yeah, a couple of other ladies that jammed with me, Megan Hamilton and Jill Naftalin. And uh, yeah, also worked with Marie Poliak on um, the promotional content. So we would style the shoots and we'd make video promotion and they were such a blast to interact with creatively. It's so nice to work with a team that's pro, like they're all pros, I like that. And that's a big thing, like people show up on time, do things the right way and it always looks great. But if you're in a rush trying to hack it together, like a lot of people seem to be, it's interesting watching different groups um, in the Burning Man community, how they do things, different camps. Some are super organized and some are like, like just a family <laughs> and, and they, and they're like, uh, it, it's interesting. I've gone from a few camps, but, um, skate camps, the one I've been really working with in the past, and they really have the logistics of the ramps amazingly together. Um, quite the community just getting bigger and bigger. I just wish we didn't have two years canceled to, to lose the momentum there. Um, usually there's also things that they're doing when I'm not around, like bringing ramps to communities, building ramps for skate parks, like locally to other areas. And it's really cool to watch them give that back. And I wish I could help more with that. Maybe with my music career somewhere down the road, I can do more for skateboarders. I would like to 
do something charitable. If I could um, support some people trying to get to the Olympics, I'm not going to compete this year because I hurt my arm. But um, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So let me see here. What else can we talk about? Speaking Anything? of ramps, shush Thursdays. This and um, a hot tip: if you guys search the band of Misguided on Facebook, it's a group. We might let you in. Um, it's these uh, two little communities basically with the concept of people coming out and mingling and socializing with familiar faces and meeting new faces as well so it's uh, both of these events or um, community spaces um, were created with the intention of it being like an on-ramp to socializing again helping people to like progress towards feeling comfortable um, hanging around people again or getting the relief of hanging around people again and having fun um, with people. Well, there's also the anxiety of being in a group again when you don't know people. Like, I mean, I mean I'm pretty, it's a word, outgoing and, and extroverted, but even so, I still get that way. Like, I don't want to, if you're like, hanging out with people that are the exact same age group as you or they're into different stuff or they're but the common ground might be music it might be um the type of clothes that you guys wear the you know just or just where you're going and the outings but um it's it's great to connect with like-minded people and that's my favorite thing about the festival sort of scene is that if you go to a, a festival that's more than a day or two like kind of like two or three days or even a four-day one you start to hang out with like the like-minded people end up all hanging around together and it just mm-hmm. happens naturally. It's not like you get filtered as much. It just, you just kind of go where the flow is and then you end up meeting like lifelong friends and sometimes really good business connections and not realizing it till after and the fruits of the labor start to happen. So, That's awesome. Amazing. Um, and I will say coming back to Canada after having the experience of living in the United States for 13 years, which is, I was on the West Coast, it's very interesting. And Canadians and Americans are really not that different. Um, and I see that a lot by how everyone's swayed by the media pretty hard. I, it's kind of amazing how hard you can be swayed. I had a talk with one of my best friends today. We had a little health walk and I was like, it's amazing just how easily, like I was thinking about how the war happened in like the, the second world war happened, you know, how that happened. We thought, how could someone ever be that horrible and make something like that happen? But then to watch like a bit of the slipping of democracy happening right now is a bit hard to watch and i'm just kind of avoiding the politics on it but watching how facebook and how people like alex jones like are able to just create an economy around posting tons of just really shocking videos that aren't even real to to get to get clicks and make money and then prey off of the stupid people that have nothing to do but they're trapped at home looking at these stories and going down rabbit holes. So we need to pull some people back out of the rabbit holes. Um, it's kind of hard. It's really hard when they're your friends. So um, I'm dealing with not, you know, getting too involved in it, but trying to embrace people. And like, the last thing you want to do is try to make someone realize that they're an idiot. Like you just want to sort of allow people to realize on their own what may, may not be so truthful in their lives and slowly bring them back into your circle. But I've lost a few friends over it. I don't want to lose any more. So let's get happier. Let's get happier. I, I love 
I love the music scene that you're on. Um, I know you have some new styles you're into. I'd love to hear more about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I'm really into the underground electronic music scene. So everything from like deep house to trance, acid, drum and bass, techno, uh, like dubby um, techno stuff. Yeah, any new artists you're on? Ooh, I love Alex Orion. I'm obsessed with this guy so much. Um, I also discovered Marsh back in 2012 and he's exploded through this time right now. He's with Anjuna Deep. Who else? Oh, I love Lily Palmer for some really hard techno. She's amazing. She's a delight. So when I was on the West Coast, I went to Hard Fest a few times. I, I was able to get into like just guys like Gasly and Daxic and like the whole Lost Lands crew from Excision to um, Sullivan King. He's a guitar player, but DJ kind of like the opposite of me. He's like a DJ that grabs a guitar once in a while. And I'm more like a guitar player that hits a few buttons here and there. But it's it's really neat to see live music mixed with electronic properly. And I don't know a lot of people that can do that. And I think a lot of it's thankfully done because of Ableton technology. And it's taken me a good 15 years to figure out music projects that work. But I think most of that's around the technology and the tech becoming smaller that I can fit it onto this one laptop <laughs> without having to have a bunch of machines around me that are able to just make the music sound like the album. You can have your entire backing track system on a laptop and have your lighting system on another one and not be sacrificing because you didn't spend 30 grand on a system that you would have needed maybe just six years ago or even less. And just in the last few years, Ableton's come a long way. So it's, it's pretty neat to be able to do so much now. And it's also who you hire. Um, I like to hire the best people in the world to try to help out with super difficult technical problems that are not necessarily related to performing, but are related to being able to perform. Like just to get your audio balanced left and right to go streaming is not easy if you have 15 inputs. So, <laughs> all right, well, I think it's just about time to wrap things up. Uh, Camille, I really appreciate you coming on the Musicians Insider today. If there's any things you wanna mention to my followers and viewers and listeners, um, please do, and uh, then we'll call Thanks it Thanks for having me, Aaron. Um, anyone who's interested, you can connect with me on Instagram, Camille underscore the underscore creatrix, that's I-X at the end. Um, or you can hit me up, uh, send me an email if you're interested in anything that I discussed about e-commerce, uh, camille.stone33 at gmail.com. Thanks again, Aaron. All right. That's been the Musicians Insider for this week, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Ciao.